He is more than a story. He is more than a comic book superhero. He is more than a symbol of hope. He represents our greatest aspirations. He is everything we think we can be. And yet, even with all the strength and all the power in all of the world, he may not be able to meet his greatest challenges and redeem his family's legacy. For he is the son of El. Chapter 14 Gods and Monsters Batman once mentioned that Metropolis had been spared an attack from any of Professor Milo's monsters only because Lex Luthor did not want them in his pristine city. After Lex was sent to prison, it seemed to Superman that Batman's theory was correct. The first of Achilles Milo's creatures to ravish the city of tomorrow was a human-sized, insect-like creature that surprised even Superman with its inordinate strength and speed. Leaping high into the air, the creature wrecked buildings, bounding between them while proclaiming its might in a mad tirade. Behold! The new era of mankind! I am Helgramite! All will succumb to Helgramite! The wreckage alone was so enormous by itself that it took all of Clark's efforts to save bystanders from the falling debris. Before he knew it, Helgramite was replicating. It wrapped its victims in a cocoon where they would undergo a metamorphosis, turning them into clones, each spewing the same delusions of grandeur, calling themselves Helgramite. Overwhelmed, Superman called out with his mind, asking John Jones to rally for help. The Flash was the first to arrive, followed by Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and the Martian Manhunter. Together, they were able to capture all of the Helgramite, though it took several days to round them all up. The few of them that managed to escape the city left such a glaringly obvious wake of damage that tracking them all down was inevitable. By the time they entrapped the last of the giant insects, the team had become experts in capturing Helgramite. Superman hoped the victims could be returned to their former selves, but in captivity, they became cannibals. Wonder Woman decided the single survivor among them must also die, and exterminated the last of the Helgramite. It saddened Clark that they could not be saved, but he knew Diana had done the right thing. He wanted to thank her, but when he called her name, she shot him a look of such intensity, Clark had to steady himself so as not to step back. Thank you for that. There is no need to thank me. We are both doing what must be done. It's just that I would have hesitated to take the poor thing's life. Letting it live would have been an act of cruelty. Yeah, I can see how that's true. You are young, Kalel of Krypton, but you seem to be willing to learn. I'm trying. That's a strength I admire. This unexpected compliment emptied Clark's mind. His next sentence became caught in his throat. Diana didn't wait for him to respond, steering the conversation to her own needs. It is time we deal with this problem at its source. What do you say, Kalel? Will you help me end this monster and his work? Well, yeah, of course. But I don't think we have to kill him, though. I hope not, at least. He's no monster. He's just a human. Wonder Woman squared off with Superman, facing him head on. I am not convinced he is, but that is not what I am asking. Will you rally this team you have created? Will you go on the offensive? Are you willing to storm the gates of Achilles Milo and stop waiting for his next abomination? I... I don't know. Well then, I hope you are still willing to learn. 
or I will go after him myself and finish him as I see fit. Diana's eyes narrowed as she examined Clark, looking for something she hoped he possessed. She took a breath to do this before turning around and flying away. Clark sighed as he watched her go. A chill ran through him. He was surprised to notice he had broken a light sweat. For days after, Clark replayed the conversation in his head. He was sure he had entirely embarrassed himself and could not let it go. At the Daily Planet, he was distracted in such a way that Jimmy had to ask if there was a girl on his mind. Lois noticed Clark's unusually long pause before he finally responded. No, not really. Jimmy stifled a laugh. Oh? Not really? Sounds serious. What do you say, Lois? Where is not really on the scale? Lois rubbed her chin as she playfully assessed Clark. Hmm. I would say if he's already at the not really phase, then he's probably already blown it. Yikes, Lois. I still have hope for our boy Clark. But seriously, Clark, she might be right. You better not dally in not really mode forever. Jimmy and Lois shared a round of jokes at Clark's expense, but none of their jokes landed for Clark. What bothered him struck a deeper nerve. Diana expected him to take a role he had purposely avoided. Clark did not want to be in charge of anything. Enlel's need for power never ceased. Superman wanted to avoid it. It was Batman, after all, who suggested they form their League of Heroes. Later that day, Superman flew to the Batcave to take the matter up with him. Batman deferred back to Clark. It may have been my plan, but it would have never worked without you. Do you not get that? Most of them only join the League because of you. And Diana's right. This team needs direction, and you're the one to give it. From the way Batman made it sound, this was inevitable. Taking a leadership role may not be something he could avoid, but it was something he wanted to delay. He had plenty to do already. With the new network of communication that Jean Jones telepathically maintained, Superman's help was called upon often. He hardly had time to think of the pending matter of leadership. Not long after his visit to the Batcave, Green Arrow and Black Canary found themselves powerless to a beast made of smog. It consumed Starling City, wreaking havoc wherever it spread. Superman and the Flash both answered the call for help. Green Arrow broke down the plan. The creature was being controlled by Dr. Tyga Selinger. He and Black Canary would infiltrate the Doctor's lab, while the Flash and Superman contained the creature. The Flash suggested they use an old trick of his, where they literally run circles around the thing, racing to form a cyclone. It took a moment for them to synchronize their technique, with the Flash running and Superman flying, but once they figured it out, the smog creature was held in a column of wind. Before they could figure out what to do with the thing, it dispersed and vanished. Canary and Arrow had subdued Dr. Selinger and disabled the smog monster at its source. Being the fastest heroes on call, Superman and the Flash were usually the soonest to arrive as backup. Yet it wasn't long before it was obvious to Clark that when a hero made a request for assistance, most times they were hoping for Superman. More often than not, they got him, unless John Jones had to dispatch more than one emergency at the same time. It was hard for the others to deny. Superman's diverse set of skills meant they could count on him whenever their problems were beyond their own abilities. Black Lightning had never called for Superman's help until the city of Freeland was visited by a monster on the run from Gotham. The globulous, shape-shifting body of a man known as Clayface could take any form and look like anybody. When Black Lightning confronted him in the act of a robbery, his electric powers outed Clayface's disguise, reverting him to the mishappened form that gave him his nickname, Clayface. The monster was driven out into the open, yet Black Lightning found himself to be the one at a disadvantage. Clayface conducted no electricity. Black Lightning's powers were no more than an annoyance to him. 
Realizing this, the hero of Freeland called out for help, telepathically reaching out to John Jones. Arriving in Freeland, Superman had already done his homework on this adversary, having read Batman's case files. He knew Clayface was in a difficult position. Clayface was the former actor, Matt Hagen, who did not want to be this monster he had become. Much of the havoc he wreaked was out of an effort to maintain some semblance of a human form. Hovering above the ground, opposite to Black Lightning, Superman tried to appeal to Hagen's humanity while drawing fire away from his friend. Mr. Hagen, please, give yourself up. I don't want you to be hurt, but I can't let you hurt anyone else. Looking upward to Superman, hanging in the air above him, Hagen's face of clay contorted in rage. Don't tell me what to do, pretty boy! In a brief nanosecond, Clayface formed his arm into a spear and began to jab it upward at his new foe. Superman shifted himself askew of Clayface's attack and unleashed a frigid wind from his breath, hardening Hagen into an icy block. Black Lightning walked over to Superman as he landed beside Clayface's frozen form. Well, if I'd known you could handle a metahuman like that, I would have set my pride aside a long time ago and just had you come and wrap up all my fights early. Superman blushed. Oh, they don't always finish this quickly. Even for me. What do we do with him from here? He won't stay frozen forever. Jean told me Batman was on his way. It's probably best we keep watch over Hagen until he gets here. Batman? Coming here? Is that a problem? Oh no. It's just this is my first time calling for backup. I usually take care of this city on my own. I've noticed. A community's gotta heal itself from within. Can't expect some outsider to come along and fix our problems. Clark nodded to the sage wisdom. I feel that. Though I'm not gonna lie. It's been bad lately. I could deal with the organized crime and their cronies, but I'm starting to see the advantage of this alliance you and Jean put together. I'm glad to hear that. If there's any other support you need, just let us know. Black Lightning shifted his weight from one foot to the other as he sought for words. Well, now that you mention it, since I've got the ear of the big man on top right in front of me, I have a favor to ask. Shoot, go ahead and ask. You see, it's just that. I'm looking to get in with Star Labs or whoever it is we're supposed to see about superpower stuff. What do you mean? Well, I gotta be honest with you. I've never really known where my powers come from. And my lady, Lynn, she and I have a baby on the way. And we're coming up with a lot of questions. Huh. Well, I have not actually thought about this. But I'm sure we can figure something out to take care of you two. I mean, you three. I mean, congratulations Black Lightning. When is Lynn due? Five months. Oh, and you can call me Jefferson when no one is around. Thanks, Jefferson. My name's Kalel, but you- Their conversation ended abruptly as a rush of noise and air descended from above them. Batman repelled on a cable from a bat-shaped jet hovering not far overhead. He took no time for socializing, immediately setting to work to harness Clayface to his cable. Completing the task with his usual efficiency, Batman turned to Superman and asked him to freeze Clayface one more time for good measure. Only when Hagen was brought to a hard freeze did Batman stop to talk to the others while the frozen prisoner was slowly hoisted into Batman's hovering jet. Brilliant work, both of you. I'll take him to Palmer from here. He's arranging for Hagen containment as we speak. Jefferson was full of questions he had obviously saved for Batman. I heard Clayface was a shapeshifter, but what is this guy? I ain't never seen nothing like him. Hagen is a victim of Hugo Strange. Professor Strange acted as his therapist and warped his mind until Hagen was driven to do this to himself. This was news to Clark. Another victim of Strange? 
There's no shortage of them. Dr. Selinger with the smog monster in Starling was another of his patients. From what I can tell, Helgramite was also most likely programmed by Strange as well. Clark would not have guessed at the suspicion. I thought Achilles Milo made Helgramite. Jefferson put up both hands, motioning for them to slow down. Whoa, y'all just started speaking a whole nother language now. Hugo? Milo? You gotta be kidding me, right? Batman grimaced. Unfortunately not. They all work as a team. Using and manipulating people is what they do. But this is a conversation for later. We're out of time. Batman glanced up to his jet. Hagen had been lifted on board. If you have any more questions, we can arrange a meeting. With Hagen securing the jet above, a line descended for Batman. Watching him repel upward, Clark and Jefferson turned back to planning logistics. In the following days, Clark had administration hurdles to attend to, introducing Black Lightning and his wife, Lynn, to Dr. Hamilton at Star Labs, as well as both Mr. Terrific and Ray Palmer. They all had different expertise to offer Lynn and Jefferson. To get the expecting couple to each of these prenatal checkups, Superman carried them in their car to attend their appointments. It was during their meeting with Mr. Terrific that Superman was forced to abandon Jefferson and Lynn in the city of Motorton. It was hard for them to complain about being left by Superman after Mr. Terrific put them up at a luxury resort. Clark nonetheless felt bad for leaving them. Jean Jones had messaged Superman. There had been some kind of rocket crash in the west, in the desert near Coast City. Superman arrived to find a bulky android, swatting away a flying man who radiated with green light. The man was essentially ineffectual on the android beyond slightly distracting the mechanical creature from consuming a billboard on the side of the road. This flying masked man was dressed in green and black and was slightly glowing. This was not a hero Clark recognized. Superman flew down to the man calling out to him. Hello there. Excuse me. Hello. The man looked up to Superman in desperate elation. Oh, Superman! You've got to help me stop these things! What's going on? We've got to stop them from eating that billboard! Why don't we just let them eat the billboard while we talk? That's just it! We can't let them eat any more metal, or they'll just keep growing! There are more of them? That thing is made of billions of them! They're called Legion, and they will keep eating and growing until they consume everything! Hold on, where did it come from? Ah, uh, somewhere in space, not sure. Once they arrived, there was a lot to take in all at once. Just take your time. There's still plenty of billboard to go. Who are you? Where are you from? My name is Hal Jordan. I'm from Coast City. I work at Ferris Aircraft. I was just there when this green light carried me into the desert. It brought me to this guy calling himself Abin Sur. He was some bald red alien dude dressed like I am now, and he tells me this ring has chosen me, and that I have to stop this legion thing, and why, and then he gave me the ring. He told me I was a green lantern and said something about power and knowledge being something inside the lantern, and then he died on me. He said the ring would give me powers, like the ability to fly and stuff, but I barely figured out flying. Oh, uh, they're almost done with their billboard. Okay, wow. That is a lot. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay, I'm gonna try and restrain it. Legion had finished eating the billboard while Superman and Green Lantern spoke. It had indeed grown larger, and though it had lumbered with each step, when Superman came at it from behind, it pivoted and grabbed him with incredible speed. Legion could not eat him, but started draining energy from Superman before hurling him off with such force that he smashed into a nearby rock formation. Hal flew over to check on him. You okay, Superman? I'm sorry. I totally forgot about the part about Legion draining energy from all life. Clark's head was a little fuzzy, yet he still had his strength. While their backs were turned away from Legion, 
they did not see the android rush toward the approaching car on the highway. Hearing the vehicle come to a crashing halt, they looked up to notice Legion was already picking it up and beginning to eat. Superman took off to rescue the people inside, but as he did, a beam of green light shot out from behind him, knocking him aside as it passed. The beam was emitting from Hal's ring. At its end, it took the form of a hand, snatching the remainder of the car from Legion. A second beam split off from the first and formed another hand. The pair of giant green glowing hands carefully removed the people from the car, then threw the vehicle away from Legion, to prevent it from being eaten further. Hey, our stuff! One of the passengers yelled as the car disappeared into the distance. Having lost his meal, Legion became infuriated, charging at Hal. Superman held the android back with red blasts of heat streaming from his eyes. Hal did the same with a blast of green light from his ring. The two of them held Legion at bay, thinking they were making headway until another car approached on the road and Legion became fixated on a new target. The beam emitting from Hal's ring took chase, this time forming a giant cube surrounding Legion and lifting them off the ground. Legion fought ferociously, yet Hal was unfazed. As long as he focused the ring into a cube, the android was immobilized. Hal smirked in ironic pleasure to see his conjured cube working so well. Huh. So, uh, what now? How long do you think you can hold it? How long do you need me to? Superman was gone for a little over an hour before appearing to return by himself. Hal was stunned to behold the Atom, Ray Palmer, emerging from Superman's shoulder. Ray had brought an entire lab with him. As he set it up, they all noticed the android was becoming frantically enraged. Ray was the first to notice and asked the others if they could see it too. Is it getting smaller? Hal corrected him. They're not in it, they're a they. Ray shrugged. It's a robot. Do you think it cares? No, I mean Legion is supposed to be made out of millions of nanobots. They are getting smaller. Ray scratched his head. Huh, they must be consuming themselves inside of there. Superman could see it with his powerful vision. I think so. It looks like it's actually shrinking. Hal squinted, trying to see what was apparent to the others. Are you sure? They look about the same to me. Ray had no doubt. Nano-sized objects were his specialty. Maybe they grew so much in front of you you didn't notice them getting smaller. Looking through a device from his outdoor desert lab, Ray confirmed his suspicions. Yep, they're definitely shrinking. How long can you hold this cube up for? Uh, I've been doing it for a while now, but I guess I can go longer. How long do you think this will be? It might be a while. Superman took this moment to help the people who lost their car get their things and get home to Coast City. When he got back, Ray's lab on the desert roadside was far more elaborate than he had expected. How much shrunken equipment are you carrying? Oh, I haven't even started. Do you want me to get the couch out? Clark and Hal looked at each other and agreed. A couch would be excellent. It was a very comfortable couch, and the three of them spent the evening by a campfire, speculating on the potential of Hal's ring. Ray passed out for several hours, waking before the sun rose. He looked over to Hal while stretching. That's some impressive willpower you got there, Hal. I don't think I'd be able to hold it up like you have. Hal appeared unfazed all night. I'd be lying if I told you I'm not looking forward to crawling into bed when this is done. But yeah, you do what you gotta do. Ray laughed. Huh, I guess so. You're made out of some tough stuff, Hal Jordan. I don't know many people who could learn to fly in a day. And concentrating on the shape of a cube for 24 hours is pretty impressive. Hal groaned at the idea. Do you really think this will take 24 hours? I hope not. Legion is looking a lot smaller now. 
They couldn't take more than a few hours to devour themselves, right? Before noon that day, the last of Legion seemed to die away. But just to be sure none of the nanodroids had survived, Ray shrunk himself and went inside the cube to look around for any last traces of the collective android. He found one last nanodroid and killed it, ending Legion's bottomless appetite once and for all. Funny thing, the little guy looked just like the big version, only it was cuter, like a baby android. Though he knew they were dangerous, Clark felt bad for the last of Legion. Yet it was without regret. Based on what little Hal had learned from Abensur, he explained that Legion had consumed many worlds before making it to Earth. Even still, Clark grieved a moment for the Nanite's extinction. Hal broke the silence, clapping his hands together in finality. Well, now that's done, I guess I should head back to work. Though I don't know what I'm going to tell them that'll stop them from firing me after I disappeared yesterday. Clark had an idea. How about I bring you back and offer an excuse? Oh yeah? You do that? I thought you were Mr. Honest and stuff. Well, I try. But I have to keep a secret identity, too. Ray finished packing up and joined the conversation. What about you, Hal? Do you have a title we can call you? Uh, Green Lantern, I guess. Yeah, Green Lantern. That's what the alien called me. The one who gave me the ring. In an instant, the green glow surrounding him withdrew into the ring and Hal Jordan was wearing his mechanic jumper, emblazoned with the Ferris aircraft logo. Ray was impressed to see this transformation mechanism on his supersuit. Huh. What's that suit made out of? Uh, I think it's just made out of this ring. Neat. I put the Flash suit inside his ring. But I bet this technology is something different. Any chance I can borrow that thing sometime and run some tests? Hal's face scrunched up in a faux exaggeration of thinking it over. Gonna have to pass on that one, Doc. Hal returned to work with Superman. The arrival was such a surprise that Hal was easily forgiven for his absence. He went back to his regular duties at Ferris Aircraft and started his first day of learning to balance his life as a superhero with having a job. In the following months, Superman spent much of his time mentoring the Green Lantern. He had been thrust into a position of power, and it seemed that at least once a week, he was bumbling his way through being a hero. Making matters worse, in his first week as a hero, he had been lifting massive freight containers with his ring. Yet as time passed, he could barely hold up a car. His frustration grew each day as his ring seemed to have less power than the day before. Clark and Hal dwelled on the words of Abensur, the alien that gave Hal his ring. Before he died, he told Hal that the knowledge and power he needed would be found inside the Green Lantern. They turned these words over like a riddle to solve until Hal struck upon an idea. He envisioned the image of the lantern pictured on the chest of his suit. From that image, his ring conjured an actual lantern. From that lantern, his ring returned to full strength. With this recharge came a kind of telepathic transmission. He became informed of the basic techniques of using his ring. Unfortunately, having a fully charged ring only caused more problems. Hal's inexperience brought on many basic mistakes that led to unnecessary panic and injuries. Superman had to explain basic protocol to him, like announcing himself when he arrived, so as not to scare any bystanders. Batman wouldn't agree, but I would call his methods questionable. When you wield as much power as we do, I think it's a good idea that we make our presence known first. A lot can be accomplished with reputation alone. Absolutely. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Like, what if I make my ring flash like a police light? Green Lantern's ring began strobing in a brilliant green light. Clark covered his eyes from the intense brilliance. He did not think this was a good idea. Better not do that. You don't want to cause anyone to have a seizure. Oops, sorry. That was involuntary. I kind of just thought about it too much. Mistakes like these were a daily occurrence for Hal. Yet with a little guidance from Superman, 
Green Lantern began to learn the ropes of being a superhero. Soon, he became among the most valuable members of the team. Whenever Jean Jones called out for assistance, Clark often found Green Lantern was at the scene when he arrived. When Hal wasn't there, Clark noticed how often he was mentioned and praised. Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, had especially taken a shine to Hal. They were both on the West Coast and were soon known to team up and arrive together inside of a green bubble conjured by Hal's ring. It was by Green Bubble that the two of them arrived in DC one day to assist Wonder Woman. She fought in a battle against what appeared to be a powerful woman in a shining robotic suit. Superman arrived at the same time as Green Lantern and Green Arrow, marveling at how fast Hal traveled in a bubble. Wonder Woman was not known to call for assistance, choosing to fight her own battles. This time was no different, yet her fight had raged on for so long and caused such damage in the nation's capital that the president called for the League's help. They all arrived as Wonder Woman found herself thrown into the air. Superman came to a hover at her side as she caught herself. He gave her a smile. Who's the android? She's no android. That's Adriana Anderson, Barbara's friend. But how? I do not know, but she's not herself. She's calling herself Dr. Cyber. Something has happened to her mind. Clark felt the dread inside of him as it became clear. He knew what had happened. This was the work of Hugo Strange. He and Arthur Ivo had done this to her. The mechanical suit was obviously one of Ivo's creations. Their discussion ended as Dr. Cyber rocketed toward them. Dividing the force of her attack, Superman and Wonder Woman managed to catch her blow, each grabbing one of her arms. Leaving Oliver on the ground, Hal raced up to meet them. From below, Green Arrow shouted, Let her know who's coming! As Green Lantern came up to meet them, his ring pulsed with brilliant green light. Immediately, Dr. Cyber was convulsing while he restrained her. She violently shook until the mask and upper part of her suit opened, revealing Adriana's face and shoulders. She was hardwired into a matrix connecting the suit's computer. Looking at them with wide eyes that she could not close, pupils darting between them, she screamed. You've got to get me out of here! Help me! Veronica and Ivo, you've got to keep them away from me! Get me out of this thing! Get me out! Get me out! Get me! Out! Get me! Get me! Get! Me! Again, Adriana began convulsing. This time her seizure ended with her suit closing around her. All at once, from every outlet on the cybernetic body, exploded a blast of energy radiating with the distinct color of kryptonite. All three heroes were knocked to the ground. Unable to recover in time, they looked up to see no sign of Dr. Cyber. She had escaped, taking what remained of Adriana Anderson with her. As they stood back to their feet, Wonder Woman clenched her fist in rage, glaring at Superman as though this were all his fault. Clark feared it was true, yet he didn't know what he could have done to stop it. Before he could muster a strained apology, Diana flew away, leaving Clark surrounded in the sprawling wreckage. Thank you for listening. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. Zenabella is written and produced by myself. This show is commercial free and independently produced. You can support this production by simply talking about it, share it on social media, and in real life. 
and most especially, become a patron at patreon.com bluefoot. This story was inspired by the Superman and DC Comics and characters originally created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, with additional contributions by Bob Haney, Neil Adams, Robert Kaniger, Carmine Infantino, William Moulton Marston, Harry G. Peter, Mort Weisinger, Paul Norris, Joseph Samuelson, Joe Serta, Bill Finger, Bob Kane, George Papp, Dennis O'Neill, Dick Dillon, Tony Isabella, Trevor Von Eden, John Ostrander, Tom Mandrake, Julius Schwartz, Gardner Fox, Gil Kane, Mike Sikowski, Sheldon Moldoff, John Broom, Jim Ousley, M.D. Bright, Greg Rucka, Liam Sharp, and Drew Johnson. Manuscript editing assistance by Trisha Reel. Music in this episode was made by Vortex, Hoddington Bear, David Hillowitz, Mellow C, Jazar, Abstract Nostalgic Fractal Systems, Chad Crouch, Vani, Simon Mathewson, Blue Dot Sessions, Kyle Preston, and Garowski. See the episode notes for details. For more of my work, get yourself a deck of Omen Quest cards at omenquestcards.com. It's just a game, but it's so much more. And be sure to listen to the next episode, Chapter 15, The Justice League. <laughs>